This is Wealth of Ohio with Robert Dodaro from Prism Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Robert provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Wealth of Ohio with Robert Dodaro. We've all been feeling the sting of price increases in the year 2022. It's amazing how fast things are rising from the price of vehicles, the price of gasoline, price of groceries. We're seeing it across the board this time of year. Uh, And a lot of people are wondering, is it here to stay? Is it something that's going to go away? Uh, How do we balance our budgets and stay on top of it? Well, This week on The Wealth of Ohio, not only are we going to talk about inflation and what it's doing, we're going to talk about the price at the pump. I think you're going to get a lot more information about what's actually happening at the gas pumps right now and why we're seeing the increases that we are. Is it from price gouging? Is it because of increased costs for production? What's really causing those drivers? We're also going to look at longevity, right? If inflation's here to stay, how you know, and we're going to be here for a long time, how long is inflation going to be here with us? I think that's the question on everybody's mind. Uh, how, how long are we going to be seeing these higher rates? So hi, I'm Robert Dodaro, founder of Prism Wealth Management. You are listening to the Wealth of Ohio radio show and podcast. And with me as always this week, I have Mr. Tony Shore, our co-host. How are you doing this week, Tony? Oh, I'm doing great. I've had a chance to get outside a little bit more with some nicer weather and I'm keeping busy uh, trying to just make sense of everything that's going on out there. So I'm glad we're talking this week because, wow, there's a lot happening with the market volatility, the Fed raising the interest rate, um, you know, supply chain issues again, uh, mm-hmm. and just uh, all the crazy news stories out there. So uh, I know we have a lot to cover today, right? That's right. And to help us cover it, we also have with us Matt Gilbert from our office in Worcester. Uh, Matt's been with me. Uh, you're, you're actually, I think you're right at your one year anniversary with us now, aren't you, Matt? I think I got eight days. Eight days. Okay. All right. So uh, it, it's been a whirlwind of a year for Matt, but Matt has a background in uh, investing and finance. Uh, he's worked in the banking industry as well, too. So he also helps me do a lot of the research that we do and bring to you. And I want to remind you that everything we talk about on our show, we do share in our show notes. We want to give you copies of the articles and man, oh man, have we found some doozies this week. Um, You know, we'll talk about inflation, but uh, a lot of people, you know, the president's been speculating. It's been price gouging. Uh, Other people have said, why aren't they drilling? Well, the Dallas Fed wrote an article and published uh, exactly what was causing the increase in pricing right now in gasoline. And they concluded it was not price gouging by the oil companies. So we'll share that with you. Uh, We found an interesting article that says seven in 10 people in the country hope 
to live to the age of 100. And, you know, I, I, I read that headline and I just, I scratched my head a little bit. It doesn't, it doesn't compute with what I'm seeing in my office when I meet with people. So we wanted to look at that. And on our show, we always try and bring information back to the state of Ohio. So we're going to look at how long people are living in the state of Ohio and how we stack up compared to the other states and particularly that one state. Uh, we shall not name that blue state, not too far above us. That, uh, uh, you know, always seems to be our, our rival every year. But sure. In any case, uh, lastly, and this I think uh, most people will find shocking, we'll save this for our bonus podcast segment at the end. Did you hear that in 2021, the IRS threw away, shredded and threw away 30 million tax filing documents? 30 million tax filing documents for people who paper filed their taxes. So we're going to dive into what all this means, what all these, uh, you know, all the, like Tony said, there's so much going on in the world right now. How do you yeah. keep on tap, top of it all? Uh, apparently the IRS can't keep on top of it all. That's for sure. You know, <laughs> is what we're finding out. Did they but, do it on purpose? That's my, yes, that'll be my yes. question, but we'll, we'll they, get into that. Yeah. They, First they though, I, I want to weigh in on the, I want to know who the seven out of 10 people are that said they want to live to at least age 100. I mean, yeah. do they not know uh, the, do they not look around and see loved ones who are over 90? I mean, how many of those people are really, truly enjoying their lives at that point? Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think uh, living to 100 should be a goal. I want to, I, I want to, do as much living as I can while I'm as healthy as possible. Right. And I think that's most people we talk to and most people that we meet with. Uh, but when like I whenever we do an analysis on somebody, it, it's a math problem. And part of the equation is, OK, well, how long do you want me to assume you're going to live? Only people who have. Uh, family that have lived to age 100 or close to 100 even bring the subject up to me. Most people don't even want me to assume they're going to live to age 90. I have to kind of twist their arm to be like, let's just be safe, put 90 on there. There's a chance that you're going to live that long. Uh, but most people don't even want to assume age 90. So the, like, I, I, you know, I could see if the article was, they think they're going to live that long, but hope to live that long. I don't, I don't have that experience with my practice at least. So, uh, but you know, this study, it was an article we found in CNBC and again, it's in our show notes. And if you want to sign up for our show notes, all you have to do is give us a call 330-804-0123 and give us your name and email. We'll get added you on there, uh, added onto the list. And every week we just email you a copy of what we talked about on this week's show. So that way you can follow along. Uh, but the study that was that where this was concluded was done by Edward Jones and Age Wave. So I'm not sure who Age Wave is or anything like that, but uh, they're, they're the ones who reached this conclusion. And uh, obviously people know longevity has been on the rise, uh, except for last year, right? 2020 was the first time where our uh, life expectancy went down in this country because of COVID. So that, you know, realistically is is something that you want to factor in. And that's why I think a lot of people who meet with me are kind of shocked in that I'm really encouraging them to spend money. Uh, you uh, obviously, you don't want to be reckless in how you spend your money and you need to assume longevity. Like I said, I usually have to twist people's arm uh, to assume a little bit long, longer longevity for them. 
but you know the the whole goal should be to have confidence that you can go out and enjoy the early years of retirement. The, the, you don't, you never know how many good years you're going to have in retirement, whether it be health, uh, you could lose a loved one or spouse during that time. Uh, in a lot of cases, the early years of retirement, you're spent taking care of older parents as well, too. So there's not always that opportunity to really go have fun. And when you do have that opportunity, I want you to take advantage of it. So this is why I developed the Clear Retirement Solution. It's there to help you give you a clear understanding understanding of where you stand right now in terms of all five key areas of retirement planning, whether it be income, investments, tax efficiency, healthcare, and legacy. Each one of these five areas is something that can cost you a lot of money in retirement if you're not prepared. So if you can build a plan and figure out where you stand, then you can start to understand when opportunities come along, which ones you can take advantage of and which ones might put two big of a dent in your pocketbook. So this is a complimentary process we take people through when they come meet with us in either Worcester or Wadsworth. And all you need to do if you want to start this complimentary process is call 330-804-0123. And that's 330-804-0123. Or you can always visit us on the web at myprismwealth.com. All right. Well, this is a great show so far. I think this is going to be a good one. Mm -hmm. So uh, where do you want to go next with the show? Well, I guess we got to tell people how we stack up, right? So, I mean, this sure. isn't this isn't the 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 best source of the world, but you know, we we did look up the life expectancy by state inside okay. the United States, and uh, of course, Wikipedia, uh, you know, oh, sure. always has something. And a little bit bummed out to see that it, as of 2019, out of the 50 states, uh, and when you add in America's Samoa, uh, that the uh, State of Ohio ranks number 43 out of 51. And that's kind of a bummer uh, overall when you look at it. Uh, we're, we're, we're not the worst, but we're not better than Michigan and we're not better than Pennsylvania, folks. I hate to break it to you uh, with that as well. Michigan came in at 38 and Pennsylvania came in at 35. Now, you would think, and just so you understand, the life expectancy in 2019 for in Ohio was age 77. For Michigan, it was 78.1. Pennsylvania, 78.4. So we're not talking like they're outliving us by half a decade or anything like that. But overall, their their longevity is a little bit better than what we see inside uh, the state of Ohio uh, as well. And uh the sad part, and the I guess the, the the interesting part is, is that the life expectancy of the state of Ohio is comparable to the life expectancy in China. So just just for what that one's worth, uh, wow. you know, yeah, I know that doesn't make you feel too good. Uh, overall, the United States is seventy eight point eight in the life expectancy, so we're we're below average for the United States. I can't uh, believe that Ohio went down as far as our life expectancy and uh, is is lower than a lot is lower than Michigan. Yeah. Well, I mean, for good news for you, Tony, you live over in Minnesota and they're yep. number they're number four on the yeah. list. Eighty yeah. point nine years. Uh, Y'all are comparable to Denmark. You know, so it's that good. It's that good farming uh, community blood that rolls through Minnesota, I think. 
Oh, I mean, we're out in the farms of Ohio. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, don't maybe, know. It's, maybe it's where the farms uh, originated from, I guess. We, we might be a little bit more Irish or something. Than I wonder, <laughs> too, if it's because Ohio is a lot of manufacturing jobs. Ah, and you start playing it back into yeah. the type of work that you're doing all day long and what you're tearing down your body mentally, yeah. working day to day, long That's hours. That's a good point. And, and, and that goes back to the whole, how many good years of retirement do you have? I mean, there's a lot of truck drivers that I work with. There's a lot of, you know, people who run farms and work on farms or in the construction industry as well, too. And in manufacturing, we have a lot of factory workers. Uh, and a lot of cases, these are people who have pensions or are part of a union as well, too. And so that's why you have to, you know, when, when you're faced with these decisions on should we retire? Should we take the pension? Should we take the lump sum option? Uh, how many years of fun are we really going to be able to have in retirement? You know, these aren't easy to answer questions. And having a little bit of data at your fingertips just to help you kind of see, okay, well, what are my odds? What are the chances that I'm going to have this? Is It's so valuable to have that information because like we say, then you can start to feel a little bit more confident about some of the decisions you can make. I know I can go have fun for about five more years. And as long as my body holds up, I know I can do that. And I shouldn't have to worry about making too many sacrifices later in life. Okay. Uh, that's the kind of confidence we want people to have. Ultimately, it depends on your circumstances, depends on your wealth, and depends on how much fun you're trying to have during those five years as to whether or not it's affordable. But you want to start finding these answers out. And whether it's coming in and seeing me and starting that process for the clear complimentary, uh, clear retirement solution, or just come into one of our workshops. I do several workshops. These are complimentary workshops where we'll talk about different tax or topics from taxes, social security planning. We do uh, classes on income planning as well, or workshops on these things. So. All of these things are uh, on our website. There's actually an events page on the website, myprism, P-R-I-S-M, wealth.com. You can check it out. You can even click on the radio link, and that'll take you to every show that we do, uh, the full version, including our bonus podcast segment every single week as well, too. It's all right at your fingertips, and you can check us out and get more information because the more information you have, the more you can start to build your confidence about what you can do comfortably in retirement and when you're going to start pushing your limits in retirement. And again, that website is my prism, P-R-I-S-M, wealth.com. But we'll be right back with more Wealth of Ohio in just a second, or Wealth of Ohio show and podcast in just a moment. We'll talk about what's going on at the oil pump or at the gas pump and are the oil companies to blame. When you think of a puzzle, what would you say is the most important piece? Corner? A side piece? I would argue that the most important piece of a puzzle is the picture on the box. And the same can be said for your retirement. Robert Dodaro from Prison Wealth Management would love to show you your retirement picture. For more information, call 330-804-0123 or visit his website at wealthofohio.com. Firm offers insurance services, investment advisory services offered through AEWM LLC. And welcome back to the Wealth of Ohio show and podcast. I'm your co-host, Tony Shore. And I'm here with our host, Robert Dodaro and Matt Gilbert. Uh, Matt and Robert, we talked about longevity and I think that was important because uh, a lot of people don't plan for enough money to last them throughout retirement. You need enough money to last. I mean, 
longevity really overall has gone up. I think the reason why the numbers uh, show it's going down is uh, I think COVID affected that. And um, they say overdoses are affecting that. But for the rest of the community, I think uh, for the majority of Americans, I think we're going to start seeing it creep back up unless we have another pandemic. But um, you you have to be prepared, right? I mean, people Mm -hmm. do live to 100. My grandfather's 101, right, Robert? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, if you are a married couple age 65 right now, I believe the statistic is there's about a 10% chance one of you lives to age 100. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's something to be mindful of. Yeah, and I think it's a twenty five percent chance that one of you lives to age ninety five is the going statistic out there. So uh, you have to assume these things, but obviously, you know, and this is this is where inflation gets tricky because when you're doing financial planning and you talk about inflation, um, inflation means every year you increase how much money you take out of your account. Okay, you give yourself a pay raise every year. Well, not everyone does that. I'll just say like most people, if I say, hey, I could give you $1,500 a month sustainably, they take $1,500 a month. And unless their lifestyle changes in a way where they need more money, they don't call me. They don't ask for $20 more per month next year or $30 more per month. You know, that's just not the way we operate. So if you run too high of inflation and you you get a you meet with an advisor and they say okay well inflation's 8%, let's just assume we average 5% inflation for the rest of your life. Well, when you forecast out to someone living to age 100, like let's just say you were spending $60,000 at age 100 or at age 65 when you retire, you run that 5% inflation when you're 90 years old, you'll, you'll be spending like 200 $250,000 a year. Okay. No, you won't. Not when you're 90. I'm sorry. Like yes, things will be more expensive when you are 90. But at the same time, when you're 90, you're not going to be out there spending as much money as you were when you were 65. Okay. Now, hopefully we're lucky and healthy and maybe we're still in the go-go phase of life at age 90. Uh, I do know people that are that way, but on average, most people tend to slow down over time as well too. So you kind of want to balance that out with your inflation projections. But uh, fortunately, unfortunately, Matt, I mean, however you want to look at it, right? I mean, I know inflation did go down on the last report. But it, it wasn't as much as what they were hoping for, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, no, and it barely went down like two tenths of a point. Okay, okay. So it was like eight point five to eight point three from March to April's numbers. Okay, so and part of this, and you're going to see. So this is you know for people worried about the market, people concerned about what's happening. The Fed is raising interest rates aggressively. They're about to start start letting money roll off their balance sheet. All the money they've been printing, they've been kind of storing away on their balance sheet. Well, now they have to let that money come off. And that's going to have some impacts in the market as well, too. And that's why the market's been as crazy as it has been this year. But if their strategy is working, we should see inflation start to come down throughout the year uh, as well, too. And if it doesn't come down while we're seeing these negative impacts on the economy, okay, we might have some problems. This is why we talked about stagflation a couple episodes back on the Wealth of Ohio show and podcast. So, Robert, you mentioned kind of unwinding that balance sheet. Mm -hmm. And in the articles we read from week to week and on the News, you talk about inflation, they're talking about um, the basis points that they're going to raise it, but they're not really talking about that unwinding of the balance sheet. How do you think that's going to affect the market? 
Well, so it's already starting to impact the markets from what I can see. And just so you you understand, everybody, they were printing $120 billion a month and adding it to their balance sheet. They cut that off within a matter of a couple months and then started raising interest rates the following month. So very quickly as all this happened, now they're going to start looking at letting $95 billion a month come off of the balance sheet. Uh, it's going to phase in starting in June, but it's going to phase in rather rapidly when that happens, um, so uh, what ends up happening is the Fed, when they're buying, they're taking short-term treasuries and converting them into long-term treasuries. So look at it like you're taking money out of your checking account and buying a 30-year CD with it. That's in essence what the Fed was doing. Now, huh. the Fed, when they take money off the balance sheet, they are taking money off of the long-term stuff and going back and buying more short-term stuff with it that falls off quicker. So when that happens, you see the yield curve invert, which we've already seen happen this year, and it's been happening. It happened back in 2019 when they did these things as well, too. So that's where, you know, when the yield curve inverts, what it means is when you go to the bank and you want a CD, the two-year CD could pay you more than the five-year CD. Okay, well, why would I tie my money up for three more years if I'm making less money for tying it up longer, right? This is where problems start creating in the market and why recession becomes a bigger scare than anything else. This is part of the reason why, again, you want to balance your assets, balance your portfolio, spread things around. Uh, ultimately, this is why we use indexed annuities rather than focusing on bonds in a lot of our portfolios, uh, just because of the lack of volatility. I mean, indexed annuities, when the market goes down, you're not losing anything. You can take 10% out each year as your penalty-free withdrawal on most policies. Uh, you do want to be careful about what companies and what products you're getting into. There are good ones just as there are bad ones. Uh, but if you know how to use them properly, you can keep your money protected, uh, not be paying any fees, and averaging between 4 and 7%. Okay, that's a lot better than some of the other marketplaces out there right now. Uh, but it all depends on your tolerances, depends on your interest. You still have to have money in the market. You still should have some money in the bonds. Uh, you should have uh, even money, we, 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 you know, looking at things like I-bonds. We, we, we've talked about them as well. We even have a great article about I-bonds in our show notes as well. I've had a lot of people asking about them. Uh, these are things that you can buy directly from the government. So I'm not necessarily recommending you do this, but you don't buy them with your IRA or Roth IRA money. This is after-tax money, money from your bank account that you would be using. Your are only allowed to put $10,000 per year, but it's $10,000 per person in the household. So you could put $10,000 in, your spouse could put $10,000 in. I have two young kids. I could put $10,000 in for each one of my kids as well too. But the current rate is 9.62%. As a as a uh, as an interest rate for the next 12 months. Isn't there another kind of clause too, if you take your um, tax return in mm -hmm. I-bond form? Yeah. That you can go more than the 10000 So you can get an extra $5,000 in I-bonds if you were using your tax return. Uh, but you would have had to have done this when you filed your taxes earlier in the year. So you could have gotten an extra $5,000 there for you and your spouse. Uh, but you would have had to have used your tax refund money. Now, you want to be careful. If you get out of an I-bond within five years, 
Okay. Um, the, uh, the, the problem with that is there's a three months interest penalty on you. So the last three months worth of interest, they're going to penalize you on that as well, too, uh, if you get out of it. So you definitely don't go in there and, and take your money out within three months. That would be very bad for you. Uh, but even at the end of one year, the rate's going to change. So you're not locked in at 9.62 for five years. It's going to adjust based on inflation. And if the Fed is aggressively raising interest rates, then you got to believe inflation is going to come down because of that as well, too. So you got to be careful and balance these things out. Whatever gains you make in there, you are going to have to pay taxes on those gains as well, too. So be mindful of that. Uh, All of these things factor in, but we did put a great article in our show notes. Again, if you call and give us your name and email at 330-804-0123, you can even text your name and email to 330-804-0123. 804-0123. We'll add you to the show notes and you'll start getting these uh, from us. But uh, I know we've got a little bit of time left before we go into the special podcast bonus segment. And I talked about earlier how uh, the price of gasoline, right? We, 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 we talked about how it's going up. We all know it's going up. And I think we all noticed too, or at least most of us noticed, you know, when oil started to come back down, the price at the pump didn't really come back down as much as it did as well too. And so this has led, you know, people like the president to speculate that the oil companies are price gouging. Well, the Dallas Fed, so the Federal Reserve of Dallas, uh, two gentlemen from there wrote an article explaining how gas price is broken down. So the price of oil, so when you look at the price of a barrel of oil, that accounts for 59% of the price at the pump. Okay, so that right there, it's not all of it. There are other things. There are marketing expenses, there are overhead expenses, uh, and there are tax expenses baked into the price of gasoline as well, too. But the thing I found interesting was is that it said 1%. So of all the oil producers inside our country, only 1% of them have any uh, control over retail gasoline stores. So it's not like the oil companies own the gas stations. I think that's uh, something that most people don't realize. The oil companies produce the oil, they, 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 they supply it, but they don't own the actual retail stores. So when the price of oil came down and retail prices didn't drop as much, uh, these gentlemen are speculating it's because retail prices had to stay up for a few different reasons. Uh, one, obviously, you know, staff and inflation costs are bearing out on operation costs everywhere, right? Like it's more expensive for them to operate. They're going to charge a little bit more. But the main reason they pointed out that I thought was really fascinating was when they're ordering gasoline. So when you manage a gas shop and you're ordering your next truckload of gas to be delivered, you're you're pricing your gas today based on what you think you're going to be paying when that truck gets delivered. Okay, so that's not exactly an easy thing to do, I wouldn't think, you know, in there as well. Now, obviously, they've been doing it a long time. They've got experience with that. But when you look back to 2020 and 2021 and how gas was just all of a sudden not as many people were buying it and then the economy reopened and all of a sudden a lot of people are buying more. 
they lost a lot of money during that time because they didn't know how to price and buy in based off of the expected demand, let alone when the price started skyrocketing like it did, trying to raise prices fast enough to keep up. So in a lot of ways, uh, the article points out that they're a little bit hesitant uh, to lower the price back down because they lost so much money. They want to make sure that it doesn't, you know, all of a sudden start rising again really quickly uh, as well. But it's a really fascinating article. So if you're ever interested and you want to figure out like how how it's figured out what you're paying at the gas pump. It's a great article and a great resource. I highly recommend getting on our you know mailing list every week so that way you can get information like this emailed to you and delivered to you. But I don't know, Matt, what do you, what do you think about it? Be kind of interesting because you know part of it's supply and demand and how that affects it. Like one thing that's happened a lot during the pandemic was housing prices went crazy. Mm-hmm. Housing building. So how's that? kind of relate in the amount that the houses went up and how it comes down to how the flow of gasoline goes up and down. Is it kind of something that's more standard in all industries or is that something specific to oil? Yeah. I mean, each industry is going to have its own up and down. I mean, we're seeing it with baby formula right now as well, too. That's the, there's some supply issues over there. We saw it with toilet paper during 2020, right? Like, I mean, there's been so many different things, but you know, we're going to be, we're almost out of time for the show. I just want to, you know, quickly say we're going to pick back up with this on our special bonus podcast segment that we do every single week uh, for our podcast listeners out there. And you can always check us out. I think we're on what Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, Amazon, Google. Google. Yeah. So you name it, we're out there. You can check us out and get a weekly notification whenever the time comes. Uh, But we're going to pick back up on this as to why the price was changing so much. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how the IRS lost or actually didn't lose, destroyed 30 million paper filing documents uh, in 2021. Uh, We're going to cover all that and more when we come right back, but you've been listening to the Wealth of Ohio show, and we'll be right back with more of the Wealth of Ohio podcast in just a minute. Thank you for listening to Wealth of Ohio. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Robert Dodaro at Prism Wealth Management. Call 330-804-0123 or visit them online at wealthofohio.com. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Prism Wealth Management, LLC are not affiliated companies. Prism Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Prism Wealth Management is not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Prison Wealth Management, LLC. This radio show is a paid placement. And welcome back to the Wealth of Ohio podcast. I'm Tony Shore, your co-host, and I'm here with Matt and Robert. And for today's bonus podcast segment, I know I do want to know what the IRS did, why they destroyed all those tax documents. You teased that at the beginning of the show. We were talking about gas prices, though. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so gasoline companies, uh, in a lot of ways, so you have to separate the oil producers from the retail gas shops. And I think that's a disconnect because I think most people assume the oil companies own the retail stations, but less than 1% of retail gas stations are owned by the oil producing companies. Uh, so there are differences in there and uh, it boils down to inventory. It's the same reason why we saw, we're seeing the shortage in formula. Well, there was a recall, right? You know, that happened back earlier this year for baby formula, there was a recall. Uh, there wasn't a gas recall or anything, but but uh, I know California didn't produce nearly as much uh, as they were expected to produce in the gasoline area. But uh, not to confuse people, we'll, we'll stick to we'll get to formula here. So formula, Michigan, there was a plant. They found some bacteria. This bacteria went out and some babies actually died. A couple babies actually died. A few more got sick. Uh, so they inspected a facility in Michigan and, uh, you know, they had to close it down because they found this bacteria. When that happened, now, mind you, the U.S., doesn't uh, import uh, formula. I mean, we, we all of our formula is pretty much produced domestically. So when you close down one of our factories and you don't find some way of increasing the supply back, you get some problems. Now, why did this bacteria pop up? They're going to investigate and everything. I have my own theories, but uh, realistically, when the uh, the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 happened, uh, people were stockpiling toilet paper. They were also stockpiling formula. So there's a mm. big rise in the inventory orders for formula back then. Well, then when you fast forward into 2021, not as many babies were being born at that time. So the orders start coming back down. And all of a sudden now in 2022, we're having a baby surge again, which makes sense. You know, during 2020, when the world, everyone thought the world was ending, not that many people were making babies. Once society re- reopened, you know, people started making babies again. And, and now the demand is there again, but the supply has been tricky to order. And then you add that on to a, uh, you know, a factory closing down and us not importing formula that we could be importing, um, you know, it creates problems here. So ultimately the government's got to step up and do things just like they need to do with gasoline, just like they need to do with a lot of other things out there right now. Uh, These are things that they control, that they have the influence over as to what we can bring in, what we can't. And there are plenty of sources in Europe where they can bring in formula, just like we could increase domestic production on oil and gasoline. But if you read the article from the Fed, even they say, even if we increase production right now, it's a drop in the bucket. You know, I mean, we could increase 300,000 barrels a day, uh, but the world consumes 100 million barrels per day. Not just the United States, but the world consumes that much. So increasing our production by a few hundred thousand, when you're talking about a global market, okay, even if we're producing it here, the the globe still sets the price on all these things. Um, You know, it, it becomes tricky. So there's not clear, easy path out of here. And meanwhile, while they're trying to balance all these supply shortages, you got the IRS destroying records, Mr. Tony Shore, you know, so, (laughs) right. You know, and and I think about this from a professional standpoint and the record keeping requirements that are placed upon me and my business and everything else and all the documentation of everything. Even when we talked, we talked about I bonds in the last segment. I mean, anybody wants to go buy an I bond, they can go buy it. There's no, you know, suitability 
credibility, verification, no making sure this is in your best interest or anything else. You can just go to the government's website and buy it in, in terms of all that uh, with it. And so to me, that seems baffling that, uh, you know, companies, individuals, advisors were held to these standards that the government doesn't even hold themselves to. In a lot of ways, surprise, yeah, surprise, surprise, right? And meanwhile, while they're holding us to a higher standard than they hold themselves, you got the IRS literally destroying 30 million tax records. So this doesn't mean that they took your entire tax filing and destroyed it. Well, let's just say one person's taxes could account for many of the instances within the 30 million because what was destroyed, so the uh, the they had an an, an, an uh, Office of Internal Investigations, you know, OIG report came out uh, basically saying, how do we get more people to e-file, right? Because uh, when they, when people e-file, the government can audit those very quickly, very cheaply. It is way more expensive for them to audit the paper documents. And I think about my business as well. Like we e-file, I do my personal and I e-file, but there are still a handful of documents that I have to physically sign and mail off that can't be e-filed. So even when I e-file, I still have to paper file certain things as well too. So in any case, when you paper file, it's much more expensive. It takes more time for them to audit it. Uh, so there was such a huge backlog that I guess they just figured we're never going to catch up after 2020 with the shutdowns and everything else. So they just said, ah, we're going to destroy those records uh, more than anything else. So rule of thumb, Robert, mm-hmm. if I'm getting a refund back, I do an e-file. If I owe the government money, I do it paper so it's destroyed. Ah, uh, so, <laughs> so here's the, that, that would, that would, you would think that, right? So, I mean, that's the, I'm sure there's listeners out there that are thinking that, or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe some nefarious minded people who are thinking, oh, well, if I just paper file, they're not going to review it. No. So what they destroyed was the proof in essence. So like when you f- paper file, you're writing numbers down on the sheet of paper, right? Uh, meanwhile, your 1040s, your W2, or sorry, not your 1040s, but your W2s, your 1099s, your 1098s, form 5498. There's all these various forms that you pay, you know, staple to your paper filing and mail it off. They destroyed all the supporting documentation. They didn't they didn't destroy the pay, the piece of paper that you wrote all the numbers on in there as well too. So that being said, they still have ways of pulling that information, going back and looking at it. Uh, but basically, the IRS just admitted that they're frankly overwhelmed, that they can't keep up with it. Uh, they destroyed these and they just basically said, we're, all those people who, who hand wrote their taxes, we're going to take them at their word. Mind you, uh, some of the documents being destroyed were documents where the federal government reports how much they paid to uh, foreign nationals working with the United States where anything we pay them that foreign national would owe the U.S. taxes as well, too. So you can get nefarious minded about it. But what blew my mind was you have to read the actual OIG report. And it's a link inside the article we put in our show notes. There's a, there's a link in the inside the a, a, a hyperlink inside the article from CNBC that goes to the report. In 2020, there were, I want to make sure I have this, uh, this, this terminology down right here. Uh, there were, uh, it was, uh, 
9.5 uh, basically supporting documents. That's how many total were submitted via paper filing. So when they say they destroyed 30 million of these, they weren't just destroying what was submitted in 2020. They were destroying what was the backlog in there uh, as well, too. And quite a quite a big backlog, if you're thinking about it, at least a few years worth in there. So in a lot of ways, how are they, you know, it's basically, in a lot of ways, I look at it as they're telling people, yeah, they're, they're not watching, they're not auditing, unless you e-file, right, you know, in there as well, too. So why, you know, why why are people doing it the easy way? Maybe it's time to go back to the old pen and paper way, yeah. uh, you know. E-file is only as good as a computer running the scan on it, though. That's true, too. I mean, we, yeah. we, we've seen that, uh, but they're at least not destroying those records uh, or anything else like that. So, I mean, you know, when, when it comes to your money, you expect competence, right? You know, I mean, yeah. that bottom line, simply put, and, you know, it, it, when the I, I'll tell you this. Uh, and I think it speaks true. Like, cause usually every year, you know, I'll have a couple of my clients get a letter from the IRS where we'll have to go help them explain to the IRS what happened and how it may have been a human error or processing error, but that the client, you know, didn't mess up. You know, they did things the way they were supposed to. Now, if they mess up, obviously they mess up and they, they have to pay whatever they owe there. But, uh, in any case, I didn't see any of those letters last year. The first year in 12 years, I never saw one of those letters uh, with it. So that that goes to show maybe they weren't looking as close last year as they should have been uh, with it as well. But you, 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 we expect competence from these people. And I tell you, any person, any client of mine who ever got a letter from the IRS instantly is like, oh, my goodness, the IRS says I owe them this money. The IRS must be right. Okay. And so it goes to how much confidence do you have that they're actually doing things the right way if they're destroying these kinds of records? Uh, and that's why yeah. I can tell you most of the Good time point. when someone gets a letter, it's the IRS's fault or a human error somewhere in the chain, not necessarily the IRS's fault, not necessarily the client's fault, just a human error. Because as we said, there's thousands of these. I mean, your taxes could contain 40 different forms that you're submitting in there. There's a chance that there's a human error on one of those. I mean, that's just, that's the way life works and everything. But we expect that the IRS is doing things right and that the IRS knows what they are talking about, but they are human just like the rest of us, even when the computer's doing it. Like Matt said, it's only as good as a scan. This is why we look at our clients' taxes. You know, my clients bring them in every year. So that way we can look them over because I know what your taxes should say from what my accounts did. Like whatever moves you did with me, I I, I know what it should look like on your taxes. Uh, and if I see something that's off, that's when we say, hey, let's call your CPA and just make sure everything was filed properly. We don't want to get one of those letters from the IRS later or anything else like that. So this boils back down to comprehensive, right? Like you want competence, but you want comprehensive. You know, maybe you're not capable of looking at your taxes and understanding how your investments are imp impacting your taxes or how your taxes are impacting your health care uh, or how uh, overall your income strategy uh, may be putting too much pressure on your investments as well. All of these things are interconnected. And so this is why we take that comprehensive approach with the clear retirement solution that we developed. Let's look at all the major areas of retirement planning, your income planning, your investment planning, tax efficient strategies, 
healthcare, and legacy. Uh, we've talked about all of these on different different reasons uh, throughout the shows in the past, but all of them are important. All of them can be very expensive. And when you have someone who can help you put the pieces together and help you see the big picture, it becomes a lot easier to become more confident about what you can do and not confident about what you can't do uh, as well. But it also is there. It's nice to know that you have someone in your corner for when life throws you a curveball or you get a letter from the IRS or you get a letter uh, from Social Security saying you owe money, that there's someone there that says, no, no, no here's what you did. So let's go back and re-explain this to them and make sure that they're not making the mistake. Okay. Maybe we did, maybe they did, but let's go back and make sure that the mistake wasn't on their end first. Uh, And that's where we help a lot of people throughout the years more. So when I look back on it, there's several people we've done uh, for whether it's the IRS, social security, Medicare issues uh, where it's just, Hey, you know, doing this, save them money. And you know, it always makes you feel good when you can save people money. I think. How many years now have you been kind of requesting your clients bring in their tax returns? So I will say I've been probably looking at my clients' taxes for the past uh, four years, I would say most years. Uh, but the past two years, we've been really adamant about bringing not just the first couple of pages, bring the whole tax in. We're going to sure. scan it. We have this excellent tax software, tax planning software uh, that we use to kind of help go through and make sure things look accurate and that we're not accidentally crossing uh, over any trip wires or booby traps that are out there. The government puts all kinds of booby traps on you uh, in retirement, where if you cross this line or trip on that wire, all of a sudden you pay them a lot more money without realizing it. Uh, So we use that tax planning software to also help us figure out things like Roth conversions and whether or not it makes sense to take money out of your IRA, pay the taxes on it and move it into a Roth IRA uh, afterwards. Or even maybe it's time to realize some gains in your accounts as well, too, so you can reposition and rebalance yourself. Uh, What's the tax implication? of that if you do. Uh, The software is really great in helping with that. And then we coordinate with CPAs uh, to make sure that what we're looking at is accurate. So you're not using this as tax planning software. You're using it more as the financial planning, kind of a check and balance system to make sure you're Checks and balances and brainstorming in a lot of ways, just like, hey, if we if we did these things, what would it look like? We think it's going to look like this. So let's call your CPA and just make sure there's nothing that we're missing and that they agree with uh, with what we think in there as well, too. Uh, But there are lots of opportunities. And when the market's going down, you've got to be looking for your opportunities out there. What are my opportunities to rebalance and maybe bring a little more protection into my portfolio? What are opportunities out there to make maybe save me some money on taxes. I I can't make up for the losses in the market, but if I can find myself a way to get an extra $1,500 or $2,000 back on my tax return, okay, that's beneficial as well too. So it's about proactive advice. So you want want competent, competent advice, you want comprehensive advice, and you want proactive advice. And this is what we do at Prism Wealth Management when we meet with people. So if you're ready to work with a professional who's actually passionate about helping you enjoy your retirement and enjoy the, the, the go-go years of your retirement, especially, then you want to start by getting your complimentary clear retirement solution uh, by meeting with me in either my Worcester or Wadsworth office. And all you need to do is call 330-804-0123. Again, that's 330 330- 
804-0123. Unlike the IRS, we do keep our records. Uh, So if you're looking for someone who doesn't keep records, we may not be the right place for you, but we will keep our records uh, and and do our diligence the proper way uh, because that's the, you know, that's what we believe in here. So, but I think that's about it. Uh, You know, whether, whether we talked about, you know, talked about living longer, talked about gasoline, formula shortages, talking about the IRS destroying documents, you know, and talking about, as always, how the the wonderful state of Ohio stacks up, especially to our our, our friendly neighbors, uh, Michigan and <laughs> Pennsylvania. Uh, hey, we West Virginia, by the way, was worst. Uh, they came in dead last on life expectancy, so we got them beat and Kentucky beat, I believe Yikes. too. So uh, all in all, you know, it's been a great show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Wealth of Ohio Show and Podcast. On behalf of Tony and Matt, this is Robert Dodaro, and we will see you next time time.